Welcome back to the Take the Candy Podcast. It's your host, John Anthony, and we are back from our road trip to New York. As you guys know, we were up at Army at Mikey Stadium watching Army battle Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky got in with a little backdoor cover for any of you guys that took Army. The system didn't like the game for that reason, and Western Kentucky did what we were afraid they were going to do and backdoored the spread. But it was a beautiful day up at Army. We got a great day there and another Army W. We had a rough week, 2-3 and three against the spread in our first week pick in NFL. Caught a couple tough breaks, including Fitzpatrick going out in the Washington game. Threw some things off, but we're bouncing back. We're back with five new picks for you. We're going to mix it up, NFL, NCAA, and get ready to get back to our winning ways. It's episode five of the Take the Candy podcast. Before we get rolling... I got to remind you that if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. We start off in Bloomington, Indiana, where the road team, the Cincinnati Bearcats, travel in to play the Indiana Hoosiers. The game's going to kick off at noon Eastern, and the current spread as we record the pod is Cincinnati Minus three and a half. Cincinnati as a three and a half point favorite to win this road game. And look, Cincinnati's 2-0. They played subpar teams, but this is the moment for them. If they're going to be anybody this year, they're going to need to start by winning this game emphatically. In a couple weeks, they have Notre Dame. It's not next week. So I'm not worried about Cincinnati looking ahead to that game. I think they know they got to get on the field and beat Indiana this week. As far as the AAC, which is the American Athletic Conference that they play in, toughest game is going to be UCF on their schedule. But these two, Indiana and Notre Dame, are going to be the big ones for them if they want a real shot at the college football playoff at the end of the season. So that's what we're going to be looking at for this. Beating Indiana is going to be tough. But Cincinnati has played well so far. They look to be ready. They've only dealt with Miami University and Murray State, which are not big names. But it's done exactly what it's needed to do, and that it's crushed the teams that are below their level. It's crushed them. The passing game has been nearly flawless, and the defense hasn't really had any issues. They look tuned up. They look ready for this big matchup with Indiana. Now, Indiana, they've looked awful offensively in the passing game. They've had a decent ground game and they haven't re- they didn't really need to do anything last week in the 56-14 win, but they're going to need to get that offense really kick-started in this game to beat Cincinnati. The running game stepped up last week. They struggled a little bit in the opener. The quarterback Michael Michael Penix Jr. Has not been great this season. He had high expectations coming in. Indiana had high expectations coming in. And they really did not have lived up to that. But they're going to need to do that in this. I expect that Penix is a little healthier. Remember, he's coming off that knee injury. He's got two games under the belt now. They're probably going to open it up a little bit in the pass game. They're going to need to. So it's going to be interesting to see what they come out with on offense. I do expect them to throw more in this one. They have the talent, they have the defense, and they're going to be able to try and hang in this game. However, that Indiana passing game has not clicked. Like I said, they're going to try and open it up this week, but it has not been tuned up. 
On the other side, Cincinnati is tuned up. They're ready to go, but Indiana hasn't had to do that. They beat Idaho last week, and they basically just did that on the ground. Penix was awful in the in the opening week game against Iowa, and he really didn't have to do anything last week. So he hasn't really had to really tune up in the season. In the one game where they needed him in Iowa, he was pretty much non-existent. I like Cincinnati in this game to get off to a strong start, and they're going to take over from that point. Indiana's going to have some moments in this game. They're not going to go quietly, but I think the Cincinnati is just going to be too much for them. They have good offensive balance, and I, I'm expecting their secondary to make some plays against Penix Jr. as he tries to open it up. This is the game where Cincinnati really needs to show its dominance. They're laying three and a half. It's a tough spread on the road, but I do like them to cover three and a half. So the pick in this one is the Cincinnati Bearcats minus three and a half. We head to Morgantown, West Virginia, as the West Virginia University Mountaineers are going to be hosting the Virginia Tech Hokies. And side note, if you are of college age and still doing the college parties, get your butts to West Virginia because Morgantown is a hell of a party. But I digress. We're here to talk about the football game. And in this one, West Virginia, as the host, is currently a three-point favorite against the spread. That's West Virginia minus three. This is an interesting game. You got some close rivals in this game. You have 2-0 Virginia Tech versus 1-1 West Virginia. Virginia Tech's week one was against uh, was against North Carolina, and their defense really rose up in that one. And that was a great win for the Hokies, especially in week one against UNC when everybody was touting Sam Howell. That was a big win for, for West Virginia. They pretty much rolled through their first two games. Their defense has been pretty spectacular. And they beat Middle Tennessee last week, 35-14. They did lose their starting tight end, James Mitchell. And I believe he's out for the season. But their quarterback, Braxton Burmeister, has been stellar. The running game has been above average. And their pass rush has been the greatest aspect of their game so far. And look to that in this game as well. They're going to get heavy pressure on West Virginia. And that's really going to muck up that West Virginia offense and limit their ability to make plays. Virginia Tech is going to grind this game away. They're going to make plays. They're going to play strong defensively. And they're going to try and pound the rock early. Now, on the other side of the ball, West Virginia has played strong defense for the second half of the Maryland game, which was week one, and all week last week. But that's to be expected. They played Long Island University, the post over there. So you could expect their D to be great. But they did rise up and play strong against Maryland in the second half, and they almost got back in that game. Their run D is strong. They have a ton of tackles for loss so far this season. I expect that to, to continue. But... That defensive front's going to be under more pressure than it was last week, and it's going to be interesting to see how, how that plays out for West Virginia. The big factor in this game, and I'm telling you this right now, I've told you this about other games, and pretty much it's come to fruition so far this season as we record this podcast, but turnovers. Turnovers are going to be everything. 
West Virginia was able to hang around with Maryland in week one, but they had four turnovers, and that's what eventually broke the back of West Virginia. That is going to be the story in this one. Virginia Tech defense has been playing strong so far. I expect them to be on the positive side of the turnover margin in this one. Their run D will keep the Mountaineers from controlling the clock and playing that sort of ball control possession style of game. And the mistakes they make will turn out to be the difference in this game. I expect it to be low scoring. West Virginia, as I said, is a favorite. I know they're at home. I pretty much, when I cap a game... If I see a home team at minus three, I'm basically saying that this game is even and you could give them the three points because they're at home. So with that being said, with how well Virginia Tech has played on D so far this season, I got to take the three points and give the nod to the road team here. So in this game, I like Virginia Tech plus the three. We head to the NFL. We're going back to Indianapolis where the Colts are hosting the Los Angeles Rams. If you listened to last episode, you know I picked Seattle to go into Indy and cover the spread. And it was actually one of the two games we did win last week. A lot of things I told you were going to happen, happened. Carson Wentz was average. Seattle hit some big plays. And we're going back to the well in this one. The spread as I record the podcast is Los Angeles minus four. That's a Rams as a four-point favorite on the road at Indianapolis. Something, Some important things to think of. You can see last episode if you want to hear me tell you what I really think about Carson Wentz. But I'll tell you this. Braden Smith, the right tackle for Indianapolis, did leave the game in week one. And he's got some sort of foot injury. As I record the pod, it's unclear whether or not he's going to be playing in this game. Now, the Colts were already down on the offensive line for week one. They were going to be down for week two. And if Braden Smith can't play, it's going to spell even more trouble for the Colts. So keep an eye on that Braden, Braden Smith injury if you really want to know how bad it could be. Now, on the Rams side of the ball, Stafford looked great in Sunday night football. We already expected him to be better playing with Sean McVay, but he looked great. The team looked great. Yes, they beat a, bear, a bad Bears team. 34-14. But they still they still got the win and they still looked impressive. Now, facing Sean McVay is not easy. And the defensive coordinator Aberfluss for the Colts said earlier this week, he's got to get his defense back to fundamentals. He's got to get back to fundies. And you're going into a week where you got to face a McVay offense. Well, how did Aberfluss fare facing a McVay offense? Now, how would, how would we know that, J.A., you may be thinking? Well, I'll tell you what. The O coordinator for Seattle, Shane Waldron, is a disciple and part of the coaching tree of McVay. So he is a disciple of Sean McVay. And we saw how the Colts D fared against the McVay-style offense last week. And Eberflus has got to get his team back to fundies. So he's going to be doing that, and he's not facing a disciple of McVay this week. He's facing McVay. He's facing the man. So I think that Indy is going to struggle on defense to stop this McVay-style offense. And yes, they don't have DK Metcalf and they don't have Tyler Lockett, but they have Cooper Cup. They have guys that can, they have Robert Woods. They have guys that can go and make plays. And with Stafford at QB, 
Woods and Cup are going to have an even bigger season than they've had before. And we know they've had some great moments when Goff was spinning the ball in L.A. And they're going to have even better moments now that they have more of a balanced offense with Stafford running the show. So getting back to basics, getting back to fundies may not be a good sign for the Colts defense going against a high-flying offense. That's just the opinion of J.A., but that's why you're listening. Now, the Rams defense, they're great up front. We know that. We know they got Aaron Donald. We know he's good at getting after the quarterback. And he's got Quinn Nelson is going to be lined up against him. And we know that's going to help. But Aaron Donald is game-breaking. He's, uh, he's on another level. So they may be able to slow him down, but they're not going to be able to stop him. And something that I noticed in week one is that the Colts offensive line had trouble stopping the pass rush of a subpar Seattle D. This is not a subpar front line that they're going against in L.A. They're going against a great front line. And if they get pressure on Wentz, he's going to make all the mistakes that I told you he loves to make in the first week. I don't think Wentz is dialed in. I think it's going to take him a few weeks to get dialed in. He, yes, he's going to be back at home. And yes, that might help. But I just think at the end of the day, the Rams are going to be too much on both sides of the ball, especially offensively. They're going to be balanced. So you know where I'm headed. The pick in this one is Rams minus the four. And get it now because that line's probably going to go up because people are going to start betting the Rams. This line opened higher. It came down to four. Get it now. Be a snake. Get in there. And if it comes back up, I'm still comfortable with it. I could see the Rams winning this by two scores, but up to a tutty, up to seven, up to six and a half. I like this pick. So it's Rams laying the points. Next, we head out to Philadelphia for the matchup between the San Francisco 49ers and Philadelphia Eagles. The game being played at Lincoln Financial Field in Philly. Currently, as we record the pod, the spread is a 49ers minus three and a half. That's 49ers as a three and a half point favorite. This is going to be an interesting one. They have not played a meaningful game in Philadelphia in a long time. And these fans in Philly are going to be absolutely juiced for this one. It's a big one for them. A lot of times in week two of the NFL, we got to look to some Vegas overreactions from a team's performance. So that's where we're going to start here. 49ers are great in, in basically the first three quarters in week one. They're up 31-10 on Detroit before Detroit started coming back. And, and the Niners actually had to fight for their lives to hold on to that one. But they did get a W. Uh, Philly, on the other hand, they played an underwhelming Atlanta Falcons team. That's really bad on both sides of the ball. Um you know, I'm a big Matt Ryan guy, and Matty Ice is doing everything he can down there, but they got a bad offensive line. They can't get a run game going. They just can't move the ball on offense. It's a good win, though, for Philly. I mean, Hurts got his first first real uh, experience on an opening day there, and he proved to be good at managing the game, not making too many mistakes. They got Miles Sanders rushing the ball. He rushed for about 75 yards, caught a, a couple passes in that game, too. And we saw, obviously, uh, Alabama rookie Devontae Smith Caught a touchdown in that game, had six catches, eight targets. So you're going to be looking to see him getting more involved here in week two in this Niners game. The Eagles did spend money on defense in the offseason. They got Anthony Harris now at safety, linebacker Eric Wilson. 
they had it I, together. I think they totaled 15 tackles in, in week one. So it's looking to be the good move for new coach Sirianni right now. And they're hoping that defense could remain tough because they're going to need the defense in this game. Now on the 49ers side of the ball, Garoppolo threw for over 300 uh, with a pick and a, and a tutty in week one. They had the Raheem Mostert did leave the game in what's now a season ending injury in week one. So it looks like it's going to be Elijah Mitchell who's going to get the carries. He did go for over 100 in week one. Uh, Debo Samuel had a big game, nine catches, almost 200 yards, and a tutty. So you could imagine it's going to be a lot of Mitchell, a lot of Samuel here in week two uh, with San Francisco going on the road, traveling across the country as a three and a half point favorite as they have it now. Detroit in week one against the Niners did come back in the fourth quarter. And a big reason for that to me is going to be the Jason uh, Verrett injury. Verrett was probably the top corner for the 49ers. He went out with about seven to play. He's also now out for the season with an ACL. I think that is going to be a season-altering injury for the Niners. I know that they've been in talks this week to try and sign Drake Kirkpatrick to seal up that secondary, but I just think there's nothing they're going to be able to do to replace Verrett. So I, in this game, I think that's going to matter. Uh, I think that's going to be a big factor, just like it was in the fourth quarter against Detroit as they got back in the game. I think we're going to see that here. The Eagles' offense in week one was very balanced. I thought Hurts, you know, did a good job. And don't forget, he is a mobile quarterback. And San Francisco has struggled with mobile, mobile quarterbacks in years past. So in this one, I'm going to take the points. I like the home team. I'm not a fan of Philly, the city. And I'm definitely not a fan of their of their fan base. That's for damn sure. But those, those guys and gals are going to be juiced. So I'm looking for the Eagles to come out at home and cover the uh, three and a half. So the pick in this one is the Eagles plus three and a half. Okay, here we go. The music's changed. You know what it is. It's the Take the Candy special, baby. We're two and one on these picks. Looking extended to three and one. Last week, we did have Buffalo as our Take the Candy special, and they didn't show up for us. They just didn't show up for us. They didn't show up for the system. They didn't show up for JA, and they didn't show up for you. But we're going to bounce back this week. We're headed to Miami. It's Michigan State at the University of Miami Hurricanes. And this is our Take the Candy special, Michigan State plus six and a half. Now, make sure you listen to this whole segment because I got a little twist that I'm going to throw in at the end of this, but you're going to have to listen to the end of the analysis before you get it. So stick with me. Here we go. Michigan State, six and a half point favorite. Disclaimer, years ago, probably 15 years ago, I really cut my teeth at taking the Spartans as a dog. They really got me into the mix. They got me cash. They got me going. So I'm going to come back to Old Faithful here in the Take the Candy special in Episode 5, the Michigan State Spartans, and here's why they're going to hang in the game. Their offensive line has not allowed pressure all season. The ground game is averaging 300 yards a game, and they really had no slip-ups on the offensive line or in the running game against Northwestern or Youngstown State. Now, Running back Kenneth Walker dominated Northwestern. Now, Northwestern may be a little down here, but always coached great, always disciplined, and always known for their hog mollies and their big guys up front on defense. But Walker had no problem in that game. 
He rested last week against Youngtown, Youngstown State. So he should be rested. He should be dialed in and ready to go for this game at Miami. Michigan State quarterback Peyton Thorne looked great last week. Finally hit some big plays. And he's going to press that Miami secondary that's been getting bombed all season. All season, they've been getting hit with the long ball. And I think Peyton Thorne finally got the big plays in last week against Youngstown. And he's going to kick them back up in this game. Now, what do we have with Miami? They suffered a blowout last week one to Alabama. So what? Everybody could have called that. And Alabama could probably blow out any teams. They had a great win last week. Tight battle with a good App State team. The Hurricane defensive line is great at getting in the backfield, and they have a ton of TFLs, tackles for loss. So you could see what's shaping up here. Miami D-line, Michigan State O-line. That's going to be the matchup, and it's going to be something where Michigan State has not been tested up front just yet on offense. The Miami Hurricanes are going to do that. Now, if the Hurricanes can hold against the run, they're going to be able to maybe pull away in this game. But I think Thorne stepped up last week, and I think he's going to be able to handle that if they can't get the run going. However, I think Michigan State will be successful at getting the run going. They're not going to abandon it early. They're going to stick with it. Now, Michigan State has been good defensively, but they've been terrible on stopping and getting off the field on third down. Miami doesn't care about the old grounded pound or the pound the rock, bleed the clock. They don't care about that, okay? They want to go and score, but this could be a game that Miami's going to want to control the tempo and clock with, but I don't know if they're going to be used to doing that. So I will say this, Miami is long overdue to have a big game. They are. It's hard to do anything against Alabama, and it's even tougher than after Alabama to have a good App State team that might be the best in the Sunbelt Conference. But Sparty, Michigan State, is the real deal this year. It's going to be tested. They're going to be tested a lot more than they were against Northwestern. However, there won't be enough big plays and consistent plays on offense for Miami to stay in this game. And I think late, the secondary will give up one or two big plays that will kill any momentum that Miami built up on offense. So the pick here in the Take the Candy special is Michigan State plus six and a half. Now, I hope you hung in through the analysis because here's what I got. I have picked every game for you in every episode against the spread. I'm going to throw a little wrinkle in for this one. I'm going to throw a little wrinkle. We here at the Take the Candy podcast, through our system, believe that Michigan State's going to win this game outright. Okay, so I'm giving you the TTC special plus the six and a half. You want to take the candy, go lock in your bet now. Take Michigan State plus six and a half and turn this thing off. But if you want to make big money, right, you want to start cashing in. You want to start taking things to the bank. Let's look at the money line. So the money line as I record the podcast is Michigan State plus 190. And if you didn't listen to episode one or you're not familiar with what uh, money line is, it's taking a team to win on the field. Now, we know Michigan State's getting six and a half, but what I'm telling you is on the money line, you bet them to just win outright. So they can't lose. They can't lose by one. They can't lose by two. They can't lose by anything. If they lose, you lose a money line bet. So here's what I'm recommending that you do this week if you trust our system. It's that you go out there in, I've told you before, you bet in units. So if you have 10 units to bet for this upcoming weekend, take three units and take the candy. So that's three units against the spread. Michigan State 
plus the six and a half. And then take one unit and put it on Michigan State money line, which means they went out right. The number right now is plus 190, which means if you bet 100, you win 190. That's what that means. You bet a dollar, you win a dollar 90 cents. You bet $10, you win $19. But they have to win on the field. Now, why am I telling you to take three against the spread and one on the money line? Well, you're almost going to double your bet at the spread, uh, at the money line. And as far as the spread is concerned, you're going to win three units if you cover the number. So if you bet three and one, Michigan State loses by five, you win two units. You're going to lose the money line bet. Michigan State wins. You're going to win the three units at the spread, and you're going to win 1.9 units at the money line. That's almost five units for the game. So if you want to, if you want to feel it, if you believe that scared money don't make no money like JA does, then here's what you're going to do. You're going to take Sparty, Michigan State plus a six and a half, and Michigan State one unit on the money line plus 190. It's probably going to shift down to plus 185. So rather than 1.9 to one, you're getting 1.85 to one. Okay? So that's your bet on this one. It's the Take the Candy special in episode five with a wrinkle. It's Michigan State, Sparty, baby. Let's get back on track plus a six and a half. That's going to bring us to the end of the pick segment here at episode five of the Take the Candy podcast with your boy, J.A. Just quick shout outs for this week. Thank you for everyone who participated in the trivia, either on Twitter or on Instagram. We had a couple more guys this week submitting answers to the trivia. And if you didn't read it, the question this week was which program is in its 100th season and had an all-time leading rusher that ran for 6,245 yards. I asked for the name of the program and the player. I had a couple people respond, but the winner was our boy Mark on Twitter who sent me the DM with the correct answer. The program is USC and the player was Charles White. So our boy Mark's going to be getting the free pick which somehow I'm going to message him again. Remember, that doesn't air here on the pod. It comes from the JA private stock. And I'm going to flip that to Mark uh, when Thursday's upon us, when you're listening to this podcast. So thank you for all who participated. Like I said, we're going to be doing this every week. So get ready for the trivia next week. First person to get the correct answer will get the free bonus pick every week. We went two and three last week. We're eight and three overall since we started airing our picks so we're looking get to get back to the winning ways this week. It's been great hanging with y'all, and I hope you enjoy hanging with your boy, J.A. It's the Take the Candy Podcast. Stick with us.